Hello, and welcome to episode four of CXO Talk. And I'm here, I'm Michael Krigsman, and I'm here with Vala Afshar. Vala, how are you doing? How are you, Michael? Good. <laughs> nice to see you again. <laughs> Great seeing you as well. So we've got four episodes under our belt. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Feels like we've been doing this for a long time. Well, you know, in the past we've had a lot of, lot of technical difficulties, but today we're in good shape. <laughs> and one of the reasons... Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> so and one of the reasons we're in good shape is because we have two really interesting guests. We have the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of LexisNexis, Steve Mann. Steve, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Michael. Vala, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. And we have the Chief Information Officer, the CIO of Seton Hill University, outside of Pittsburgh, Phil Kamarni. Phil, how are you doing? Pretty good, Michael. Thanks for having me. Bala, Steve, great to be here. Okay. So you guys, you guys are still smiling. You have a CIO <laughs> and a CMO together, and they're smiling. That's, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. Yeah, but is anybody a Game of Thrones fan? <laughs> Because no, winter is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> is, the, is it going to be the winter of our discontent in this? You know, in the next half an hour, forty-five minutes or so. Probably not. Probably not. So, uh, Steve, let's let's dive right in. So, you're you're the chief chief marketing officer of LexisNexis, and tell us a little bit what in in plain English, what does that actually mean? What do you do? <clears throat> now, that's a really good question, Michael. So the way I describe what a CMO does typically when people ask me because they don't know um, is that we uh, CMOs sit at the intersection of creativity and strategy. And it's our job basically to partner with the CEO to um, translate his vision, his business strategy into a marketing strategy that uh, drives the business forward, delivers revenues, delivers customer satisfaction, right? And so you can see that in a number of different areas, whether it is in the branding that an organization does or the communications efforts that they do or the demand generation work that's done or the pricing and packaging that's done. Um, those are all manifestations of translating the business strategy into a marketing strategy. And I think recently, uh, I think just about everybody here has been in, also involved in digital efforts. And I view also one of my roles is translating that um, business strategy into uh, what we do digitally, uh, whether it's via e-commerce, uh, on our website, in our products, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, they, they're all digital personas of, of the company. So your job then, if I can summarize it, if this is right, is to make sure that the strategy or that, that your, the your execution, the digital personas as you were describing, uh, line up with uh, the organization's broader strategy. Right. The, the vision and business strategy that my CEO has laid out um, comes to life in the go-to-market strategies and the various channels that we would utilize. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, Vala, does that? How does that line up with what you do? No, I think that was a great that was a great uh, definition, simple definition, intersection of creativity and and strategy. And certainly, you mentioned chief digital officer or digital initiatives. Um, just had the Gartner survey of 
um, hundreds of CMOs as they talk about their digital initiatives. And um, in this, I think it was 500 some odd CMOs, although they speak to the average uh, spend on digital initiatives in 2012 around 2.5% of company revenue, Gartner is projecting this, these digital initiatives uh, from content management and, and creation to social and mobile to web to reach around 9% of company revenue, which is an incredible growth, and, and it, it signifies a priority. So I'll, 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 I'll point to our second guest, Phil Kamani, who's the chief information officer for Seton Hill University. And Phil, you know, I, I have a very good understanding of your team and the mission that you have. And you spend less time on the infrastructure and the traditional role of an IT uh, and, and CIO uh, leader. And I see you driving mobile initiatives and social initiatives and e-commerce and trying to drive student acquisition, retention, fundraising, and all these business initiatives that Seton Hill is looking to uh, uh, embark. And, and so are you the CIO? Are you the CDO? Are you, you know, do you wear multiple hats a day? Talk, talk to us a little bit about your, your role and, and, and where you see your, um, uh, your, your, your function within the university. Well, thanks, Paul. That's a great question. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's blurry, as best I could put it. It's something that I, I came into this role from a development job. I was a, I'm a developer by trade, so walking into a, a management, a C-level position, with a different type of background. I had a little bit of management because I own my own companies and things, but really to try to look at this role from a diff with a different background, I think that's why I've seen um, and been able to you know, move our business in the way that we have with the, the background that I came to the table with. I think that's a little right. bit odd in my role from what I've met from my other, my other uh, colleagues in, around my area. And uh, yeah, we do, it's constantly looking at the business, looking at, uh, how we can increase retention, increase enrollments, how we can use digital initiatives uh, to, to talk to every one of those aspects of our, of our business. And, and, and when, it, when you insert the cloud, social and mobile, a lot of those silos come down and these, these roles start to get blurry and really start to work a lot better together. And I was just talking a little earlier with our, our marketing officer. I was actually a director of marketing. We don't have a CMO. Marketing officer today. Yes, that's oh, right. So that's good. Interesting. We were we were uh, going we're we're going through budgeting right now, like most higher education uh, universities are. Yeah. And through the process, I'm looking at a marketing budget, and I'm wondering, wow, there's a lot of things that we could do, not to just spend those marketing dollars, but to really start building platforms that we can right. own and start to utilize to market to our 18 to 20 year old market. So Thanks. we're looking at putting in public Wi-Fi in our downtown area, looking at our, our local malls that don't have public, public Wi-Fi, we'll probably be sponsoring that and, and offering, out, uh, offering our, our marketing department a really good platform to engage our, 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 our uh, customers, our, our, our students with. So, so, so. Phil, you, you report to the, to the CEO of the school, if I'm not I correct. I do the president, right? correct. If I'm not mistaken. So in a sense, it seems like, uh, you know, and, and Steve, uh, where do you report, if you don't mind my asking? I report into the, I report into the CEO as well. So, so in both of your organizations, you're, you're kind of the, the analog, but I think this is a little bit less common for CIOs than for chief marketing officers. Would you guys agree or disagree with that? 
Yeah, I, I would say that you know one of the reasons why I, I was hired was to um, drive the digi digital initiatives forward. As a matter of fact, you know one of my you know major measure things that I'm being measured on over the next couple of years is to the degree that we you know digitize our marketing and have major initiatives that move ourselves from an old style an older style of engagement to uh, a digital style of engagement. So I definitely think that that's a hat I wear, Phil. Yeah, same here. It's more of a less of feeds and speeds, like Vala said. We're really, I, I think we have a really bulletproof network here that we, uh, you know, knock on wood. We've, we've done our due diligence and really have put a lot of time and effort into consumerizing our environment and really understanding that and understanding the security aspects of it and really leveraging it, it to the positive and really creating an environment where we can all be uh, Socially I love the word you just used, consumerizing our environment, because I presented at a conference with you, Phil, and I was amazed how you would pull up your iPad or mini iPad, and you're looking at real-time statistics on student retention set of KPIs, and, 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 and you're, looking at, you're looking at all your departmental, not just IT, but administrative and faculty business model, and it's all accessible to you on a mobile device running in, it looked like a custom app, I'm not sure if it's, certainly it was a cloud-based app, I thought it was built, I, I believe, on an Amazon back-end, but you're, you can manage the business on a beach or at a hotel or on a conference uh, showroom area. Is the world, and is, is, is everything you do mobile first? Absolutely, it, it has to be now. It's especially in the in the in the industry that I'm in. We're looking at a market that doesn't demand it. They just it's part of them. So if we don't really you know leverage that mobility factor, they they expect it. They expect to walk into this university and their their device just works. So that they really we really do leverage that constantly, and we have built um, HTML5 available. You know. HTML5 capable uh, portals above all of our ERP systems. So I really don't spend time training our, our users on how to use a very complex ERP system when they're going to use this much of it. I'll build an application and let and extract that data and, and mash it together with other data that they wouldn't be able to even have access to, in, on a, in a, especially a mobile device, put those together into dashboard-like reports. So we're making decisions now based on real-time data in, in, around the President's Council table. We used to be able to have to talk about the report we would want to look at next week and then go back for a week, run reports, come back. That's not a way to run a business. Uh, Steve, what about you? Your environment is a, is a corporate enterprise environment as opposed to Phil, which is a university, which obviously has a lot of uh, young people. It's a college. So how, how are you relating, is your organization relating to mobile these days, both internally so, and for your, for your customers? Well, from, a, from translating marketing strategies into something that's consumable, obviously it, it's a primary platform. But as, as I was listening to Phil speak, I was wondering, gee, am I mobile first in terms of how we go to market? And I'd say that I'm social first. So what does that mean? I, I, it means that our our primary our primary strategy is not necessarily being is to be platform agnostic, but from a from an engagement perspective, I'm looking to engage via social channels uh, as a primary means to drive engagement with my market, especially at the lower end of the market. Over the next you know seven to eight years. Um, 
millennials are just flooding into the the sure. market, right? And about by 2020, 80% of the workforce that I address will be millennials and Gen Zs. And yeah. so I need to talk to them entirely differently than I would talk to an attorney today, for instance, and that's via social channels. But but wouldn't the millennials connect to you nine out of ten times on a smart device, on a mobile device? So it's a social channel, but connected through a mobile entity. No, Vali, you're absolutely right, and that's that's why I was referencing is like I have to look at all channels and treat them all. Um, equally, but at the end of the day, I'm more concerned about the engagement model than the the, the consumption device. And actually, that's where partnership with um, uh, the IT side of the house comes into the house. It c comes into the into the mix because I'm looking to them to help me um, make sure that I am on the right devices in the right channels. Got it. Got it. So, so how does that actually work? And, and by the way, let me just say to everybody that I, I hope that you will tweet your comments and your questions and use the hashtag pound CXO talk, spelled pound CXO talk. <laughs> so, uh, that was the midway advertorial we had to do. <laughs> exactly. And now it's station break. And now it's uh, station break. <laughs> so it's pound CXO talk. With no space in the middle, so uh, so so Steve, you were you're going to elaborate a little bit and tell us uh, about the relationship with IT and and then Phil, same thing. Interested from your point of view. So, from a from a from a partnership perspective, you're asking Michael. Yeah, I mean, how do you engage with IT and? Yeah, just some, some description about how, how you do it, what are the issues that come up, uh, yeah. does it well, does it, are there issues, challenges, and so forth? Well, the major issue is, is funding, as always. The, I have a list a mile long of the things that I want to do, and I could typically get done maybe this much of it. So um, it, it's really a prioritization exercise. And that's actually one of the, one of the tension points is that um, – in some instances, my IT partner has a strategic direction that they want to go in, and so they've hired resources to fulfill out that strategic direction. Let's say it's it's building out our backend systems and and ensuring that our ERP platform is 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 ready to go. That's that's their focus point. Where I may need somebody who is building me a digital asset management system because I want to drive significant efficiencies. Um, out of the marketing organization, and an asset management platform would allow me to do that. So it's it's coming to an agreement on resource balancing um, as a way to driving forward my prioritization, um, and truly having an understanding of what their needs are. So I can't walk into that conversation um, having a siloed mentality uh, around. What I what I want and what I need is the only thing that matters. I, I have to go into those conversations, um, having a broader perspective as to what the entire organization needs and where my priorities fall within um, a, a larger list. I I would say. So so Steve, yeah. no temp no temptation, Steve, to uh, especially since most initiatives in marketing today involve some level of technology, for you to have shadow IT. Or move to a SaaS, SaaS cloud-based solution where you can turn it on overnight, 
it being whatever you need. You're not saying that, you're not suggesting that he should like cut IT out of the loop. No, no, I'm not suggesting you would do that. In fact, that's not something I practice. I mean, Steve like, would never, never Steve do that. No, would never. never. Yeah. No, so so I got I got <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you that it's a wonderful thing having um, a web development organization ah. as part of a marketing organization. Steve, you, because you, you handled that really well. Yes, thank yes. you very much. And there's also there's also a uh, there's also value in having marketing operations um, uh, within the marketing organization as well. Because frankly, there are things that require a level of marketing expertise. Uh, in order to get done that require like intricate knowledge for example of campaign deployment and campaign management and you don't necessarily have that um, in an IT partner unless the, the IT partner has, has been structured in such a way where they've provided dedicated resources right Fine. so one of the re one of the things that we do do is we definitely look for areas where, where we're not trying to cut IT out of the loop but we're trying to get to market so, and um, that's also an open discussion that I have with my partner. So, 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 Phil, uh, I didn't think that I heard him say just now that CMOs are uh, little more than attention-seeking land grabbers invading CIO turf. <laughs> I don't think I heard him say that. Yeah, I, need, I need to remind Michael there's a CMO in the room. Oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I kind of heard that too, but you know what? Sometimes some CIOs and some IT organizations deserve it. I mean, really, I, oh, one of the hardest wow. one of the hardest things I was. Whoa, 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 Phil, could you re repeat yeah, that a little that? bit? What was that? I said <laughs> some IT organizations absolutely deserve it. Deserve to be back through, you know, right, go around the back door, get wow. whatever resources you need to get done. Because if you're not um, if you're not around the table and a part of that dis discussion and adding to it, not being the, no, the say, person that's saying, oh, no, security, oh, no, our auditors, oh, no, we can't do that. Defaulting that's where to no. Yeah. You don't deserve to be at the table. You don't, it doesn't, that will not work in this world. And, and, and it's changed so dramatically that CMOs like Steve could, you know, very easily circumvent any IT organization. But if the IT organization isn't being a part of that team, they deserve it. They really do, because business moving forward, it has to be a team effort, and especially in this cloud social mobile world, we, we really have to understand the marketing world. We have to understand, in my world, we talk with every department on campus on a daily basis. It's so, so, Phil, so, Phil, my my summary of what you just said is that, and maybe this is true for any, any executive, defaulting to yes, uh, re repeating what Steve said, you know, social first, um, do you, let me ask, do you invite the marketing lead at Seton Hill to your weekly staff meetings or do you attend their staff meetings? How do you foster this collaborative mindset where you know, you're showing a concerted effort to learn about the business, not just your function or, or line of business? Right, and I, you know, I, I'm not one that I hate meetings, but we do use Google a lot. Coffee, we use, coffee we, meeting on lunch. We're, we're, uni, we're a university that's completely Mac based, and we've leveraged the cloud like no other, I think. So we're, we're constantly, we're, everybody at our university has a MacBook, has Google Chat, has this kind of functionality. So this is not unheard of. This is a daily occurrence on, on our campus. So if I want to talk to Becky, our, our, marketing, our marketing director, I'll. You know, just as easy as this. This is this is how we engage with each other. We're 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 friends. I mean, that's 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 what it comes down to. 
Yeah, and I have a I have a similar relationship with uh, the IT side of the house. It, it's a strategic partnership because, frankly, I'm reliant on them to help me develop the infrastructure that I need to take my organization to the next level. Steve, do you get a lot of pushback from them? Yeah, a lot of no's or a lot of yeses. Hmm. Um, I think that I get reasonable pushback. I think that the pushback that I get is, you know, Steve, we understand that you want to be running, but we're at a walking stage right now. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating experience because I'd like to be moving at 90 miles an hour um, and, change the, and change the tires while the car's in motion. Right. Is there uh, any other way to do it? I didn't know there was another way. So, so Steve, know, <laughs> Steve, let me ask, uh, during the procurement process, yeah. Whether you're deciding which application and, and solution to go with, do you invite IT to, let's say it's a SaaS provider, to help you with negotiating um, SLAs or even selecting the right vendor for the specific marketing needs that, that, that you have? So, uh, yes, I do invite them in. Can you hear me? Yes, I yeah, we hear yeah. you. Okay, yeah. Yes, I yes, I do invite them in. Um, however, the, the in those instances where we have expertise, say, let's say in marketing automation, where I'd want to be looking at a Marketo or an Eloqua type of application, right? Um, we would be asking them to um, look at fit from an existing infrastructure perspective. So the scope of their analysis would be limited. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. And, and you, Phil, uh, how often are you pulled in? Uh, let's say your marketing lead wants to bring gamification concepts in the university or create an environment where you can improve um, fundraising at the universities and, and be able to scoreboard uh, donors. Uh, are you involved early on, Phil, in the, in the marketing initiatives at, at Seton Hill University? Absolutely, Valo. That's that's uh, kind of a key, and I think we've we've earned the right to be at that table here at Seaton Hill. Last how did you do that? Yeah, how did you How, how did, did you do that? that? That's a good question. I started here. I started here in two thousand, early two thousand nine, and walked into an organization that my president gave me a very, very vague but very uh, telling uh, lead was just make it a very engaging environment. So okay, with that we we move forward into this mobile social environment. But through that whole process, we had to engage, we had to change, IT had to change, the way we managed this organization had to change. And what that did over the, those two years, from 2009 to 2011, in 2009 when I came here, we were ranked 11th. Out of 11 departments on campus, we were 11th, okay? So let me 11th. see, that, that, that means dead last. Dead last. And Steve's, okay. going around, Steve's going around our back every day, and we deserve it, okay? Now wow. here's what, what changes, we changed it, we've consumerized it, we based every, everything we do on the user experience, everything. It has to be a great user experience. CIO so talking about user experience, that's, that's awesome. Well, I, sorry yeah, to interrupt, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I mean, moving with that, just that very, um, just that thought process moving forward, we've moved from 11th to last year we were number two. So I, I gave my staff, you know, it was a great, huge improvement. But, I, you know, you guys know me a little bit. I want to be number one. I want to get up to the top of that list. So this year, we broke it in half. We broke our department into IT, just purely IT, 
and solution center. We don't call ourselves a help desk, we're a solution center. What we, so we, we broke it up into two separate sections, and when we broke the, the survey into two groups, the students in one side and the faculty and staff in the other. And we went from 11th to second to first, first on, student, on the student side, IT, our organization is seen as number one wow. by the students. Our technology is seen by number, number one by our students. Number two was, our, was the solution center. Now, by our staff and faculty, we were number, our solution center was number one, but our tech is still like number seven. And it's, it's an age difference. Really, this adoption, this so much change we brought on to this, to, into this environment is being adopted at different rates by different age people. And that's really what we've seen. I, we've I, I, so I, love, I love the fact that you have this, this kind of a net promoter, this level of advocacy measure and the transparency that exists. I mean, you so freely talk about which function is high, medium, or low about your institution and about right. your organization that you're leading. So in question to Steve, you know, how much of a transparent culture is necessary within the business for CMOs and CIOs or any CX to, to work together to, 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 to meet the strategic vision of the CEO, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show? And bring in, Steve, if you don't mind, when you're answering Val's question, uh, Talk a little bit about the, the budgeting and the dollars and the investment and how you kind of balance uh, the stuff you want with what IT needs and how does it, how, yeah. do, how does how do the dollars and the user experience and satisfaction all hang together? Yeah. So so uh, great question. Transpa the transparency issue is a critical one, and I think some organizations do it better than than others. And and it it actually to to my way of thinking, it goes not to organizational maturity, but to leadership maturity. Um, leaders, I think, need to be comfortable um, having that level of transparency, number one, and then um, really, it's almost like the Tao of leadership, right? You want to be able to sit back, be completely open, be be transparent, because you know, you're know you confident in your capability, and you're confident in your planning process uh, that um, it'll be a better process if it's more collaborative, right? Um, for example, we look at our failures every day, and um, when we look at our failures, we it's 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 a we look at it as a means to say, okay, what's the quick path to success through this failure? And but to do that, um, you have to take the glasses off and by taking the glasses off you have to invite people in who weren't close to the failure uh, in order to give you some critical review so we invite people in all the time to look at that type of um, uh, to do that type of analysis with us right so in, in that same vein you need to partner um, drive partnership with your uh, uh, IT organization yeah. in order to develop a 360 strategy yeah. so Michael you Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was asking also, uh, bring in the sort of division of labor on the budget, and just to layer something else on top of it, how do you manage the expectations? And I think that the budget is also, it's the budget is connected with user, user satisfaction in some key ways, and it's also connected with the expectations on both sides between IT and marketing in terms of getting stuff done. Yeah, I think it's also. I think budget also sits where, uh, based on some of the organizational dynamics uh, that are in play for a particular organization. Um, by that I mean, if you have a shared services organization that's responsible for delivering a set of services out to um, its, it, you know, the, the the hub and 
the hub and the spoke that it attaches to, then you're going to see budget largely responsible uh, and, and sitting in that organization. If you see it being business, an organization that's business unit driven and the business unit sets the priorities and then goes back to the shared services organization and says, give me this, sure. then you're going to see budget most likely residing out there in the business units. Mm -hmm. sure. Did I answer your question, Michael? Uh, yeah, maybe we'll come back a little bit to, to it a little bit more. But actually, I wanted to ask uh, both of you, and maybe with Phil, what kinds of specific projects and vendors are you do you have going on? Are you working with and so forth right now? Oh wow, we have um, we're growing. We have uh, three building projects going on right now. So we're you know we're we've engaged with Interesis as our networking vendor with uh, the build out of those buildings. We have. Um, a very big project right now with HR payroll finance moving to the cloud. We engage with Workday. We're uh, just starting with that implementation. Um, we're looking at uh, some Salesforce um, implementations this, this summer for marketing. So we're going to uh, weld our our current on campus uh, data sources up our data systems up to a uh, marketing arm up in uh, Salesforce this summer too. So Interesis, Workday, and Salesforce. And Phil, just tying back to what Steve was talking about, and it's a little bit counterintuitive because as marketeers, we're trained to accentuate the positive and speak about you know, all the good things that are happening. But Steve talked about building authenticity and really collaborating by talking about lessons learned and oh, sure. failures and, in, in the spirit of continuous improvement. Um, as you're bringing these big projects, big vendors, combination of on-premise and cloud, vendors to bring uh, innovation into the campus, how often do you engage with the other lines of business to, in terms of lessons learned and how you can improve uh, the IT function? Well, anytime we engage with any part of our, our, any, any part of our business unit, any unit here on campus, we, we constantly are engaged with them. Even we do a post-mortem at the end of the project to really see how it went. Did it, did it go positively? Did it go negatively? Where could we have fixed that? Uh, but really just having those conversations and being more open, transparent. That's something I don't think was here before we, we've, we've made these big changes. So we're really seeing these effects and, and really living that uh, DevOps, um, you know, friction in real time. I mean, I, I've just read a book from Gene Kim, uh, The Phoenix Project, and it's like deja vu. I'm like on chapter six. I'm like, oh, my God, he, this year. <laughs> it was uh, – it, it is – yeah, it is a great book, and, we, and just going through that, it, we've learned a lot through that process as well. And Steve, some of the applications and vendors you're using, definitely interested, our marketing professionals would love to hear, you know, sure. what, what are some of the vendors you're using? So, our, you know, our back-end systems are, uh, is an Oracle stack um, through and through. Uh, but in addition to, you know, all the way up to uh, our CRM systems, and we're about ready to stand up Siebel 8.1. We've also got a Salesforce implementation as well that I'm pretty excited about and looking forward to um, extending its footprint in the organization. Um, and that uh, bo both implementations also include um, an Eloqua marketing automation umbrella. Uh, to, to make it easier for the organizations to uh, really get to market quickly. Um, from, a, from an analytics perspective, um, we've got Spreadfast for social media monitoring. We've got Symphonic as our, as, as our analytics 
um, uh, partners. And from a social perspective, social implementation per perspective, we're partnering with the Dotches Group to actually uh, deploy our, our, our social media marketing strategy. Oh, so you're oh, working have, with our friend Dion Hitchcock. Dion is going to be a guest on our show in a, in a few weeks, and yeah. he's certainly a, an amazing thought leader. So, so many different vendors all having to interoperate to help meet your marketing and IT initiatives. What are some advice you can give to vendors in terms of how they can better serve the CIO and CMO? What do you look for when you're selecting a vendor running these mission-critical digitization or other marketing and IT initiatives? I'll stay with you, Steve. Well, I think when, I, when vendors fall off my radar, they fall off because they make it um, uh, too difficult to, to, to understand what they actually do. Uh, in other words, they, they don't keep it simple, right? Um, I think most CMOs and most CIOs, we're, we're, you know, we're pretty sophisticated individuals. We, we get it. Um, and I think that uh, some vendors tend to come to the table you know, saying, well, hey, let me explain to you what search engine optimization is. And uh, well, if you come at me with that approach, then it, it's, it's not going to stick. So, you know, I, I expect you know, my time is really valuable. Sure. Um, I, I expect these folks to not waste my time and to really um, only talk to me if um, you've got something that's going to be of value to my business. Got it. And n name one vendor that's really doing that well. Yeah. I'd say that uh, Spreadfast did that really well for us, and Symphonic did that really well for us. Uh, they came in and they just, you know, they nailed it. They quickly understood our needs and um, went ahead and put a plan in place for execution. And Phil, Phil, uh, this is an interesting line of discussion. Uh, what do you want to see from a, a vendor, and what makes you drop a vendor off of your list? Oh, wow. I don't like to be... I'm with Steve on this one for sure. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And it's Steve Jobs' quote, and I believe in it, and even from the sales pitch angle. I mean, don't come in here with something I have to go home and research to figure out what I'm going to pay you year one. It's, it's, it's starting to be very difficult to judge some of these cloud implementations as well. I and mean, there's a lot of hidden costs. You really got to do your due diligence and press the salespeople to really be upfront about every implementation charge that comes in with a lot of these uh, these solutions today. Hidden, sure. hidden costs and cloud implementations. Steve, we haven't heard of that, right? <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah. That doesn't happen. <laughs> Steve, what do you, what do you, what's your relationship with, uh, with the cloud vendors? And also it's interesting that you're implementing both uh, Siebel and Salesforce. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on all that. Steve? Oh, do we have we lost? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I was having some connectivity issues. Can you ask the question again? Yes, I thought maybe you were meditating a little bit there for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely looked at peace. He definitely did. Yeah. Uh, I so, am at peace. I am at peace. <laughs> so, so the question is, uh, Phil was just describing uh, hidden costs on cloud deployments. And mm. I was saying, We've never heard of that, and so, so you're laughing. So that's the so that's the first thing, and then the second thing is it's interesting that you're implementing both Siebel and Salesforce. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well. So with regards to 
um, the the Siebel deployment, uh, we had uh, strategically settled on the Oracle platform uh, a number of years ago before I ever uh, entered the organization. But we also had smaller uh, teams in place where it really didn't make sense to necessarily migrate them to um, and go through the customization work that would be required to, to uh, standardize on the corporate platform. So we uh, move them to something where we can get them, stand them up in, you know, 30 to 60 days. And so that's why you see the, those dual uh, deployments. Great, great. So it's like the... Uh so, so the Siebel was brought in before you were there. Now you're working with Salesforce, but you're the, but they're coexisting. That's correct, at least for the time being. Uh huh. Great. And do you integrate? Uh, are are they integrated in any way, or are they just separate standalone islands? I, you know, with Oracle acquiring Eloqua as well as now having uh, you know Salesforce implementations, the ultimate goal is to um, implement. Uh, integrate Eloqua into Siebel and Salesforce, um, as well as having, um, um, at a, from a master data management perspective, ensuring that uh, both systems are, are feeding a, a common source of truth with regards to ma uh, customer and prospect data. Perfect, perfect. Phil, I have a question for you. You certainly, you, you know, you read all the analysts and the, and the technology uh, magazines and so on and so forth. and. There's certainly a tone that says the technology budget and spend is shifting away from IT and the CIO and more into marketing, whether it's CDO or CMO. Mm -hmm. One, you know, so what are you doing to, and do you see that that's something that's, that's real even in the, in the university? And what can CIOs do to continue to stay strategic and, and relevant in, in, in business? And then, and then we'll move to Steve and see if that's that's indeed the, indeed the case where majority of technology spend is is in in marketing versus what used to traditionally be IT. So Phil, with you, uh, if you could well, speak that a bit. I think if CIOs really want to stay relevant, they're going to have to really adopt a digital officers type of mentality to really make make that. Uh, or bridge that gap with the CMO and really work together. And I don't think I really do think it's two distinct positions of two distinct skill sets. But it really, you know, where the budget falls is one thing. But when you, if you don't have the right mindset in this role as a CIO, it's. It, I really don't think it will be relevant in, in, in three to five years. I want to. I want to focus on the right mindset because you, my friend, you are a social CIO. You're accessible your opinions and beliefs are shared in public, you make an effort to connect with people even outside your organization. So can you be a relevant CIO if you're not a social CIO? Well, I know I couldn't. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think you can. You, it has to be that, that amount of learning, the amount of information I have to take in on a daily basis. I, it starts at 5 in the morning with Twitter and it's all through the day. <laughs> If you if you aren't able to do that, it's it's something that you're at a, you're at a, I'm at an advantage. That's it's that simple. I mean, we had a CIO event here where Mike Winvala were you guys were actually here for a, for an event with us, and to see around the table my local peers, the ones that showed up, they they understand that they need to uh, to be more social. It's hard to make that first step, but I see a lot of people stumbling over. Oh, how do I use Twitter? Well, just, it's not that hard. Yeah. I've already get stuck on that first step, though. You, you're, but being being social has been a big part of my role here. 
And, and Phil, and I'll, I'll, after your answer, I'll transition to Steve. Let me ask, and maybe this is a pretty pointed question. W would you consider a vendor's social footprint as a criterion to do business with them? Well, that is, yeah, absolutely. And they, they, they engage with me more via Twitter now than they do via email. And I, I, I'll be on a two-day, you know, delay on email. But if somebody, the people that really need, that I need to know, that, that need to know how to get in touch with me, know how to get in touch with me. Are they and sending you direct, to, are these direct messages or public uh, tweets? How is that working? Uh, it's, it's both. I mean, uh, direct message is always good. But it, if somebody wants to get my attention, they, they've kind of, I haven't told them this. It's kind of kind of train them into it. It's They know that I'm active there. They know why I do it. I've presented at this university many times professional development uh, functions to try to bring other people on board and make them understand what, and this isn't a, a narcissism thing. It's not an ego thing. It is a learning thing. I learn every day, and that's the way I stay relevant. And so if Steve, I don't, go ahead, sorry, sorry, Paul. So Steve, uh, do you engage with vendors through social channels, and is that an expectation as you're Selecting vendors, uh, how accessible and, 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 and what their footprint is in terms of, in terms of social? Yes, to both questions. I wow. absolutely expect them to be accessible. Yes, my engagement is wow. very much through social channels. I think uh, a large majority of the vendor, um, vendor outreach that I get these days comes through LinkedIn. Wow. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I wanted to say something a little bit about the, the, um, Chief Digital Officer discussion we were having earlier and, you know, kind of where that sits. And frankly, I don't think that the C-suite has room for another C-level. <laughs> um, just my personal opinion. I, I think it's pretty crowded there as it is. Um, but, but I do think that, I do think that it's, it's a collaboration and then it's a collaboration that happens between um, CIOs and CMOs if they have the capability. If they don't have the capability, um, then one or the other needs to take it on because it's absolutely critical that sure. somebody is responsible for making sure that that disruptive um, digital footprint is put in place and it, that it sure. drives the organization forward. So, what is that capability? What is that? What's that one thing that they need? Is yeah. it data driven? Is it? Is it understanding of mobile technologies, or what is what makes a good CDO? Is there is there a single special sauce? Right. No, it, it's 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 crystal ball viewing is is the way I view it. You've got to be able to look into that crystal ball and say, damn, where where do I need to be in the next eighteen months digitally? Wow. And, and not worry right, not worry about not worry about what the particular channel is, but then create a. Um, you know, create a strategy that allows you to get there. So you you need to be able to be data driven. You need to be able to then have the the strategy and capability, the strategy capabilities to actually formulate something realistic, and uh, then the drive to put it into put it in place. So so as we kind of drive to the close here, Phil, can you give advice to CIOs and also Phil share some advice for chief marketing officers for the CMOs in terms of how to best work with IT? Whew, okay. Um, best way to work, let's do the second part first. Best way to work with IT is really, 
you have to have you have to have a relationship. It's not something you can just be two silos that have to work together. And there's this little bridge between these two silos that you both walk across and meet in the middle and walk to your other silos. At the end of the day, it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way anymore. Great point. So, so we really have to. You know, tear the silos down. They, they really have to get rid of that. And when we start implementing more things like Workday, where it's completely open, our HR payroll finance systems are pretty closed now. They're on Microsoft Dynamics, and it's our business unit sees it, and that's about it. I can build bridges or build interfaces on top of it to let people actually see data, but interacting with that level of data, I don't want to build that interface. I want to be able to you know, extend to that type of interface. And Workday was the first one to come down the pipe that showed us a way to, to utilize that type of uh, environment, so. And, and advice to, to CIOs. Uh, advice to CIOs, you have to be, uh, well, I, I have to say open. I mean, open is the big, I, it's about the only word I can think of where you, you, you kind of have to be transparent and you have to be able to um, engage with people. I see a lot of people in my role as a CIO. It's more of a, you know, it's black magic. We're behind these curtains and don't look <laughs> back here. It's, it's all secret. It's not. It's completely open. Steve can go hire anybody today to go do what most enterprise IT organizations were, were you know, that's why they were put in place. This isn't, this isn't today. So you have to become way more relevant and really understand your business and how you're going to use IT is a value engine to get that CMO to where we need to be. That, that's, that's, what, that's what this role is about. So simple, collaborative, and open. And that was both for the technology solutions as well as the leaders of the organization. Is that a fair summary? That's very good, Vala. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and Steve, what advice would you give to CIOs, chief information officers, in terms of how to be successful working with folks like yourself? Yeah. Well, I would echo a hundred percent what what Phil said. I think the uh, I think his advice is spot on. Um, it boils down to to three things, um, and, and we've mentioned here already. Um, be transparent in what you're what you're doing and what you can and cannot do. What your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, be open to new ideas and new ways of of uh, doing things. That that the learnings have to go both ways. Um, that also means be accepting a failure and have a fail fast mentality. Um, about twenty to thirty percent of your time needs to be experimenting in new ways of doing things wow. and uh, being accepting of that. And I'll be. And the third thing I'd say, the third lever you have to pull is the is the collaboration uh, lever. It's not a matter to be open to new ideas. It's not just a matter of being transparent about what you're doing, but you have to be willing to to partner. Excellent. Great. Advice. Wonderful advice. Excellent advice. One more tip for LCIOs. Go out and get your own crystal ball. It's called Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Phil. <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, that about wraps up another episode of CXO Talk. So, Val, it's pretty interesting hearing these guys. Phil, Steve, you were both amazing. Yeah. Uh, I cannot wait to capture this summary and share it with my, uh, with my network. You were both brilliant. Thank you very much. And uh, Vala? My pleasure. You Thank you. My pleasure as well. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and thank you for watching CXO Talk. We will be here same time, same place next week. Bye-bye. Thank you both.